Well, I want to welcome you back to this series we've been doing called The Five Habits of, of a Healthy Holy Heart. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been asking the question, what, what are some of the habits that we could do that would really help us, not just on the outside, but on the inside, become the kind of people that God really wants us to be? How do we really become that man of God or that woman of God that he wants us to be? Um, I kicked the series off talking about the habit of humility and how important it is uh, kind of every day to remind ourselves there is a God and we are not him. <laughs> and uh, to, to know that, you know, every single day of my life, I need the Lord in my life. Amen. I just, I need God's help. You know, Paul didn't say I can do all things. He said, I can do all things how? Through Christ. And so that whole idea of humility is humbling our heart before God. The second habit I talked about was the habit of confession and how important it is for us to just get into practice of just regularly confessing our heart to God, to not allow sin to take root. But man, the first time we begin to, to notice something going on, that we confess that to God and confess our need when we're struggling with temptation, to be able to confess that to God and allow him to help us and, and truly being really honest about that. Last week, I know I really struck a nerve with, with, with some of us, and I talked about the habit of forgiving. And the idea that with God, you know what, it's, it's not just important to God that we're right with him, but it's important to him that we're right with each other. And that grace is not just something that we are meant to receive, but grace is something that we're also meant to give. Amen? That we're not to be reservoirs of grace, but we're to be rivers of grace. Today, I want to talk about um, a habit that I think when I talk about it, everybody will say, well, yeah, of course we need to do that. But I'm going to tell you, I think for a lot of us, it's probably something we know we ought to do, but we really don't do. And that is the habit of examination. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? Anybody know who that is? That guy's name is Jim Fix. Jim is um, the guy who is actually credited with launching the whole fitness movement. Uh, back in the late 60s, um, Jim uh, was, he was 35 years old. He was 220 pounds. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. And he realized, you know what, if I keep this up, I'm probably not going to live long. And so he decided that he needed to reclaim his health. And so he quit smoking, he started eating healthy, and then as a part of his weight loss, he decided that he would start jogging, he would start, and one of the things that he discovered is as he began to jog and as he began to run, um, that he, not only did he lose weight faster, but that he began to feel better. His energy level came up. He began to sleep better at night. Uh, it, it seemed like he had more vitality. And so he was beginning to note all of these benefits of, of running. And, um, and he began to share that. And it, and it really began to catch on. And that was the whole, now again, this is, this is back before they were really making the connections between aerobic activity and the health benefits. They really didn't understand all of that quite yet. And so Jim was really launching this whole idea. In fact, he wrote a book, throw that up on the screen. He wrote a book called The Complete Book of Running. 
And uh, that book became a bestseller and was really where the whole fitness movement exploded. And you saw, you know, 5K and 10K races taking place and the marathon and all of that stuff really broke loose everywhere. And, and Jim became a world-renowned a world figure. Um, what's interesting is he started this when he was 35 years, years old. When he was 52, they found him on the side of a road in Vermont. He had been out on a jog and he had died of a heart attack. Now, when that happened, there was actually a, a huge upheaval in the whole fitness movement because people were going to say, running will kill you, you know. And if, you know, if, 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 if this guy who was, you know, this world-renowned figure who was in such great shape, he's out running and he dies, you know, maybe I'm better off just sitting on the couch munching a bag of chips and watching, you know, watching one more movie, you know. And it, and it really began this debate, is running really good for you or is it not good for you? And, and it really erupted. But what happened, what they discovered when, when they kind of unpacked it all is that Jim, when he, when he started running and he saw what was going on for his body, he was so enamored with the health benefits of running, there was one thing he didn't do. Anybody want to guess what that was? He never went to the doctor. He felt like, why should I go to the doctor? I'm healthy. I mean, he had lost weight, his, his, his muscle tone was better, his energy level better. There was a lot of things that were happening for him that was good. But what Jim didn't realize was that he had genetic issues that even though he had started running, it didn't cancel out what was going on internally for his body. Jim's father had died of a heart attack at 43 years of age. And yet, even knowing that, Jim was confident that what he was doing on the outside would negate anything that was going on the inside. And look at me. And he was wrong. Had Jim gone in and actually allowed them to do exams on him, he would have discovered that his, his arteries were beginning to clog, even though he was doing all of this running, that his body was actually working against them. At some time, no matter what you do, you can't overcome some bad genes. That's just the way it is sometimes. But he didn't get an exam. Now, I, I thought of this when I was thinking about the message today. I was remembering that story of Jim. Because I think for us, when we talk about our own journey of faith, I, I think one of the things that we don't do regularly enough or intentionally enough or even intensively enough is that we don't do personal examination of our own lives, asking the deeper questions, am I really as spiritually healthy as I'm letting myself believe? Now, I, wanna, I want you to look with me, if you want to take your sermon outline out and, and track along with me today. I'm, I want you to look with me at, at a passage of scripture, and, and I, want you to, I, I want this scripture to really sink into your heart, because this scripture has, has really become for me uh, such an important piece of, of my own journey of faith, and, and it's such an important piece that I think we can all kind of build our lives around. Are you ready? From Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, would you read this out loud with me? Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Did you hear that? Search me, God. 
Now, one of the things, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but one of the things that just really jumped out at me at one point when I was reading this in my own personal reflection uh, was the idea of the fact that in Psalm 139, the psalmist from the beginning of the psalm says, Lord, you know everything about me. You know, you, you were there when I was knit together in my mother's womb. You, were, you go before me. You come behind me. If I go to the highest heights, you're there. If I go to the deepest depths, you're there. And he spends the whole psalm talking about how, God, you know, you know every detail of my life. And then he gets to the very end, and he says, now search me, O Lord, and know me. And I remember reading that, thinking the thought, well, if God already knows you, why are you asking him to know you some more? But here's the big idea. God, help me know me like you know me. Help me search me the way that you search me. Lord, point out to me the things that I cannot see that I might follow in your way. Does that make sense to you? That is such an incredibly powerful, powerful prayer. I love Psalm 26, verse 2. That's also in your outline. Read that out loud with me too. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Now, I, I, want, I want you to leave here today with this whole idea of this habit of examination fixed firmly in the back of your mind. And I want to look at it today kind of from, from two parts. I want to look at it from just giving you some help. Some of you know that from from way I preach is I I want to not just tell you what you need to do. I want to tell you how you can do this. And so I want to give you at first just some self-examination things that you can do to look at yourself. And then secondly, what I want to do in the back half of the message is I want to lean into this idea of letting God search our heart and what that might look like. You ready? Here we go. I want to start with, first of all, talking about, here's what a spiritual self-examination. If you were asking me a question, well, Pastor Steve, I get that. I need to look at myself. What kind of questions should I ask myself? Let me just give you five. You can make up your own if you want to, but let me just give you five. Are you ready? How about this? Are there any fruit of the Spirit that you are not demonstrating? Ask that question of yourself. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, if the Holy Spirit is really at work in your life, then these are the things that people ought to see. And I put them on your outline. Read them with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, let's just stop. How many of you would say, Pastor Steve, I think I can leave now. I got enough to work on this week. Okay. But, but that's, that's a great question to ask. God, if your spirit is really living in me, am I seeing any of this kind of stuff that's not really bearing out in my life? Great question. Second question, are you practicing the disciplines of the faith regularly? I mean, there are basic disciplines, just like when we talk about our health. You know, the doctor would ask you, you know, are you eating right? Are you sleeping well? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating healthy foods? You know, are, are, are you getting some exercise? Are you doing, you know, those are the, ba- here are the basic disciplines of the faith. Are you praying? Are you reading the scripture? Uh, are you attending church? Are you giving? Are you serving? Those are, those are basic disciplines of the faith that God says all of us ought to be practicing and doing. And if we're not, we're missing a piece of what God wants from us. How about the third one? This, is, this one really hurts. Are there things you are avoiding talking to God about? Let that sink in again. Are there things you're avoiding talking to God about? Are there habits? 
Are there behaviors? Is there speech? Are there thoughts? Are there relationships? Isn't it funny how when we do spend time with God, how often we will talk to God about everything but the one thing that we really need to be talking about God with? You know, it's so funny. Have you ever been in a, in a room where there's an elephant in the room and everybody knows there's something that you ought to be talking about, but nobody's talking about? How many of you have ever been in that situation? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that with God sometimes. Sometimes there's something going on in our life, and you know, we, when we get to God, we're going to talk about all this stuff over here, but we really don't want to talk about over here. Here's a fourth one. Are there attitudes that need to be dealt with? Are there attitudes that need to be dealt with? I thought of this, you know, when I grew up in, in the church, um, I, I grew up in a very conservative church, and sin was all about stuff that you did. You know, if you, uh, if you were, if you cussed, that was sin. If you drank, that was sin. If you smoked, that was sin. If you danced, that was sin. If you played cards, that was sin. If you went to movies, that was sin. Uh, how, how many of you can relate to this? Back, you know, and, and, and what was interesting was sin was everything that you did, but it was nothing about attitudes that went on in the heart. Now, why that's so crazy is Jesus just kind of flipped all of that around when he came and said, you know what, sin begins in here before it ever happens out here. That's why Jesus said, you know that it's been, you know that it's been written, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I'm gonna say to you if you're lusting after someone, you've committed adultery already in your heart. Jesus said, you've read the word and it says thou shalt not commit murder, but I'm gonna tell you if you're harboring anger in your heart, you're already committing murder. What was Jesus doing? He was saying, you know what? You, you, can, you can easily see stuff out here, but you need to see this stuff in here. Do you have jealousy, greed, envy, lust, anger, a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit, laziness, apathy? Those are all attitudes that God deals with in his word. Can I give you one more self-reflective question that might hurt a bit too? How would your closest friends and family assess where you are spiritually? How would your friends and family assess where you are spiritually? Sometimes, look at me, hear my heart. This is a personal confession as well as a challenge to you. Sometimes we treat the worst the people we say we love the most. And I think for some of us, we find the most challenging place to really be who God wants us to be in our home where we work or among our closest friends. How would those people who know you best judge your spirituality? That's a great question to ask. Let's turn a corner. Those are, that's the thing. You can, you can put that up on your refrigerator, keep that in your Bible, keep it someplace where you can ask those questions of yourself or you can come up with your own. L let me talk to you now about how do we lean into God and how do we really lean into the Lord and, and, and try to allow the Lord to speak to us, examine us, and invite him in to search us in. You ready? Let me give you, let me give you four thoughts. I'll give them to you pretty quick. Here's the first one. Listen for God speaking through the people and the circumstances around you. Listen to God speaking through the people and circumstances around you. One of the things that I thought about is that if you're like me, your life gets really, really busy. And one of the things I've known is how, how God works in my life is he actually says a lot of times he speaks to me through people who are close to me. 
And, and I, I, I've realized that, you know, sometimes us hearing the voice of God and Lord trying to get at some things in our life will come to us from sometimes from people close. I, I love the story this year, Exodus chapter 18. If you remember the story, Moses is leading the people through the wilderness. And uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to visit him. And when Jethro comes, he sees Moses get up early, early in the morning. And Moses kind of sits on his chair. And people just line up everywhere. And they start bringing to him these problems they, they want Moses to solve. Who, who has the right to this? Who is right? And he does that from early in the morning till late at night. And, Joseph, and uh, Jethro watches all of this. And then here's what happens. It says, and when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you doing this all alone? Read it with me. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now, what I want to point out, this is, this is the only evidence in Scripture of a father-in-law having good advice. <laughs> but sometimes God speaks to us even through our father-in-law. Amen. And I just want to challenge you to be open to some of the things that people may be trying to say to you in your life. Really funny, I've got a, a good friend named Dean. It's actually Jim Ward's brother, Dean, that lives back in Pennsylvania. He's a pastor there. He called me this week and he said, Steve, I had this really interesting God moment last Sunday. And I said, what was that? And their, their church, because it's a little cooler there, they mirror, they're meeting in a big tent outside. And uh, he said, he said, I was, we were doing some testimonies and I was having some people share some testimonies. And um, he said, and after my daughter had shared one and she sat down, he said, I turned around and he said, there was this young man from our church who was standing right beside me. And um, he said, he's a, he's a young man who, who uh, deals with autism. And he said, he was just standing there. And he said, and the person who usually is kind of there as his chaperone wasn't there that morning. And so this kid was kind of on his own a little bit. And he said, I turned to him. And I said, Craig, is there something you want to say? And Craig said, yes. And he said, well, what do you want to say, Craig? And Craig said, I have a joke. <laughs> he said, okay, what's your joke, Craig? And Craig said, why did the telephone go to the dentist? And Dean said, I don't know, Craig. Why did the telephone go to the dentist? And he said, because he was having trouble with his Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah, some of you, about 2 o'clock this afternoon, that'll, 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 that'll kick him. First service went right over there. You know, they have Bluetooth. There was this Bluetooth. And everybody laughed, and, and Craig sat down, and then, then well, they went on with the service. And, and Dean, Dean's message, he was talking about love that day, and he was talking about loving unconditionally. And he was talking about, and he, he said, he, we got to a point in the service, he said, where I was really leaning into the people. And he said, I was talking about not judging people. And he said, we, you know, sometimes we, we see people who are different from us, and we judge them too quickly. We see people's behavior, or we see how they're dressed, and we judge them too quickly. And Dean was really just kind of leaning in. You know, don't be critical. Don't be judgmental. Have a heart like Christ for people who are different from you. And Dean said, you know, he, was, he could really see that the people were with him. But he said, but then all of a sudden, he said, the people's eyes were getting big. And he said, they, they were kind of like everybody was getting uncomfortable. And he was like, what's going on? And he said, he turned and he said, Craig was standing back up on stage again. And, you know, and, and Dean knows that Craig doesn't always know the socially proper thing to do. And so Dean said, I was about to say, Craig, this is the part of the service where you sit and listen and I talk. 
But Dean said, something tripped in my spirit where I just felt like God saying, you be quiet, let Craig talk. And he said, so I turned to Craig and I said, Craig, do you have something you want to say? And he said, yes. And he said, Craig stepped up to the microphone and he said, this young man began to tell this audience, you have no idea what it's like to deal with autism. And he talked about the things that had been said to him and how he had been treated. And he began to talk about what it was like growing up different from everybody else. And he said, when Dean said, as I was watching the audience's response to this young man, bearing his heart in front of all of them, he said, this young man, in the few words that he said from his personal experience, he said, were so much more powerful than anything I would have ever had to say. And he said, the Holy Spirit used that young autistic boy in such an incredibly powerful way. Dean said, when Craig was done and walked off and everybody gave him a round of applause, Dean said, looked at the audience and he said, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Now, don't, I just don't want you to miss this. Don't ever limit God and how he can speak to you. Because sometimes it's not just directly to you. Sometimes it comes through other people. Amen? Let me give you another one. And this I know will be hard and challenging for some of you, but create quiet places where God can speak. Create some quiet places where God can speak. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You think, Pastor Steve, there are no quiet places in my life. And you go from morning till night, and, and, and I get all of that. But I just want to tell you that if you really want to learn to listen and lean into God, somehow, some way, you've got to find a way to at least carve out a few minutes during your day, whether, whether that's you know, at this place or that place or at this time or at that time, but to give God some room to speak. Passage of Scripture there from Luke chapter 5 really hit me one morning in my own quiet time. It was talking about Jesus' ministry and all these people he was touching. And verse Luke, Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, read it with me. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely. And I remember it hit me so hard that morning that, you know, life can get so busy. And I wrote in the margin of the Bible, if Jesus needed to do this, so do I. You know, so do I. And I know that there, there are people who do this a lot of different ways. How many of you are morning people and you like to do your devotions in the morning? Yeah, a lot of you. We don't like you, but we, we know you're there. Yeah. yeah. How many of you are night people? Yeah, yeah. And we, we like to do it at night. Some, some of us do. I have one guy that, that told me his, his quiet time is at noon at work. Uh, he takes his lunch to work, and he said, at noon, I get a half an hour. He said, I shut my door, and I open my Bible, and it's me and my lunch in my Bible. And he said, and that's God's time to speak to me. I know there are some people who, who spend a lot of time in their car, and they say, Pastor Steve, my car has become my quiet place. That's my, my place where I can put on, the, I, can, I can listen, use my phone and Bluetooth and listen to God, God's Word, or I can listen to a podcast, and I can let God speak to me. That you know, can be there. Some of you may find this funny, but you know, pre-COVID, when I was working out at the, at the gym and I was using the Stairmaster, um, I, I would get on the Stairmaster, and I would put my earbuds in, and, and I would either put on some worship music or I'd put on a podcast or sometimes just the scripture and, and I would just as I was walking up those stairs I, I would just listen to that and I would let it and, and, and I know this is for some of you you say that would never work for me but, but I can remember times climbing on that stairmaster tears just running down my face because God in the midst of this gym with people all around 
there was this space that it was just me and God. Now, I don't know what your space looks like, but if you really need and want God to speak, find a way to create some quiet places for him to work. Number three, don't just read God's word. Reflect on it. Don't just read God's word. Reflect on it. James 1, he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You, you see yourself and then walk away. And then you forget what you look like. And I, and I thought about that when I was thinking, you know what? We don't want to just glance at the word. We, we really want to reflect on the word. And, I, and I, let, me, let me just bear my heart with this. A lot of times we get into Bible reading programs where we want to get through the whole Bible in a year or a certain amount of time. And, and when we do that, we're, we're often just getting through scripture as fast as we can and we're checking off the boxes. I read five chapters. I, I did all this. And, and it may be getting here, but it's often not getting here. I would challenge you to slow down on how much Bible you're trying to read. Slow it down and actually think about what you're reading and pray that prayer. Lord, as I, as I read your word today, what is it that you want to say to me? You know, that was the reason five years ago I started writing a daily devotional that many of you get by email. Some of you track me on Facebook but I started writing that because I wanted to help people just take a verse or two of Scripture and to really spend some time. It was really funny. My phone went off this morning when I turned it on of a guy from back east who um, had read my devotional for today, and he said, you know, Pastor Steve, I can't believe the timing of, of how God spoke to me through what you wrote today, just exactly what I needed. And, and in that moment, again, please hear my heart, it's not about the fact that I wrote it. It's about the fact that he took some time to spit sin, looking at God's word and letting God speak to his heart, and God gave him exactly what he needed. This morning, I wrote about Jesus being on our boat in the middle of the storm. And he was saying, Pastor Steve, you had no idea. My wife has been suffering from COVID. My daughter's been in and out of the hospital three times in the last week and a half. He goes, I was at my wit's end, and I'm thinking, where are you, God? And he said, as I read today, you know, it's kind of like God confirming to you, I am with you no matter what's going on. Don't just read, reflect. Amen? Yeah. Let me give you one last one. If, if you really want God to speak to you and work powerful change in your life using this habit of examination, then make sure that you have a heart of surrender that matches your words of surrender. Make sure you have a heart of surrender that matches your words of surrender. Last year, our oldest son, Ben, and his wife, Charlie, moved back from Baltimore, uh, moved right around the corner from us. They're eight doors down with our two oldest grandkids. And Maddox, who just turned 11 a week ago, uh, this last year as he's come back and we've had a chance to have him in our home uh, you know, pretty much every day. One of the things that's been really fun for Wanda and I is that Maddox has discovered the joy of playing board games. I didn't even know kids played board games anymore, but he's he's learned to he loves started loving playing board games, and so we taught him how to how to play Yahtzee and how to play Aggravation and and how to play Crazy Eights and how to play all these different games. And one of the games that we we got out of our closet that we hadn't played in years is the game Sorry. 
How many of you have ever played the game Sorry? Remember it? Yeah. And if you haven't played it, it's a, it's a board game where you draw cards and you have to, you have four guys and you have to get them out of your home base and then you have to go all the way around the board and get safely back to your, you know, to the, to home. And, um, and you draw these and you move the number of spaces, but there's a card when you get it, it's a sorry card. And, um, I was playing with Maddox a while back and, uh, we were playing and I had, I had two guys, you know, that were in home safe and he had three guys who were in home safe and he was coming around and, uh, he was probably maybe 15 spaces from getting his last guy to where I couldn't get to him. And, um, he was going to win. And I had one guy that was still, I hadn't even gotten him out yet. And, uh, I drew a sorry card. And I drew it, and I put it down, and I smiled real big, and I took my piece out of the home, and I knocked his piece over, and I went, sorry, and put it down and put his guy back. Now, Maddox is a little bit like me. He's a little competitive, and that didn't sit really well with him. Now, how many of you understand that I really wasn't sorry? (laughs) I said the words. But it was not coming from my heart. It was like, sorry, sorry, you know. Yeah, kind of. How often do we say words to God that really don't come out of our heart? In the Old Testament, people who were performing all of these wonderful religious rituals God spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah, and here's what he said. He said, you know what? You people serve me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And God doesn't want our words. He wants our hearts. Amen? It's so easy for us to say, search me, O Lord. Know my heart. Point out anything in me. That's offensive to you. It's so easy to let those words roll off our lips. It's another thing altogether for our hearts to be open to what God wants to do. Amen. I love what Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, 8. He said, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. Read it with me. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Rachel's going to lead us in a song. And the song is what what I think is an incredible prayer. It's got lines in it like, Lord, help me all the days of my life to, to see myself through your eyes. It's a song of surrender. It's a song that says, God, I'm the clay. You're the potter. You shape me in anything that you want me to be. The song is the verse that we've been talking about all morning. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me, God, that doesn't look like you. Show it to me and shape me into your image. That's your prayer this morning. I want to invite you as we sing this to just make this your personal time of worship with God and, and just ask you right where you are, just to surrender your heart fully to Him. 
you know, if, if some of you would like, you're welcome to make a moment. You're welcome to slip out, come to an altar, and just have a private moment with God where you pour out your heart to Him. Uh, but right where you are, God can meet you right there. But don't miss this opportunity to say, Lord, you are the potter. I am the clay. Do your work in me. Lord, that's our prayer today. If we're honest, we, we're just like Jim Fix. Sometimes uh, everything seems to be okay on the outside, but there's still some things on the inside that need to be dealt with. And it's just easy to keep going and ignore those things and not take time to allow you to do your examining work. Father, my prayer for us today is that you would make us wise children of yours. That regularly, routinely, maybe even daily, that we would spend some time praying that prayer. Search me, O Lord. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything in me, Lord. Point it out to me so that I can follow you. God, I pray that you teach us the power of self-examination where we ask ourselves the hard questions and we give ourselves the honest answers. Teach us the power of turning toward you and opening our hearts fully and completely to the voice of your Holy Spirit to speak to me. Father, today, you are the potter. We are the clay. Would you shape us into the men and women of God you've called us to be. This we pray today in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.